discussing the news and making sense of a nation on the go. You're listening to The Long Form with Sunny Nyombia. This podcast is brought to you by The New Times. In today's episode, I'll be joined by The New Times editor, James Karohanga, to discuss whether or not East African forces are able to play a positive role in the conflict in Eastern Congo. On the 4th of this month, East African heads of state directed the immediate deployment of additional troops. The question we shall try to answer today is this. Will these additional troops create peace, or is it all just a waste of time? Now, if you want to react to this conversation, use the hashtag longformrw on Twitter and share your thoughts. But before we continue, do you know what you need to do today? You need to join the over 40,000 daily subscribers of the New Times e-paper to enjoy credible, in-depth reporting on Rwanda. Visit the website newtimes.co.rw to register for free. And now, back to the show. East African presidents met two Saturdays ago in Bujumbura to discuss the conflict in the DRC. The meeting ended with two main directives. First, an immediate ceasefire. Second, the immediate deployment of additional East African troops to the restive region. Like I said, I'm joined by James Karahanga. Hello, James. How are you doing today? Hi, Sunny. I'm fine. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, heeding my invitation to the long form. I know this is a very, very difficult question, but bear with me. Can you give us a brief, short, detailed summary of just exactly how we got here in the first place? Where do I start from? Well, I think I understand that the issues in the Congo are 200, 300 years old. Uh, issues of slavery, issues of colonialism, but we cannot do that today. We don't have. We simply don't have the time. Yeah. Could we start in November 2021 when the M23 broke out of their camps in Uganda and took over the Congolese border town of Bunagana? Okay. Still a lot of context to be missed here, but it's just that two years ago. All right. Awesome. M23 invades or attacks through the DRC Uganda border area or border town of Bunagana. Mm. And they continue fighting. Mm-hmm. In days, weeks, they are capturing territory. Mm. And suddenly, we ha- I mean, the conflict has the international attention that it, it has today. Mm. And where we are today is regional countries, neighbors getting concerned. Mm. A neighbor's house is on fire and they're coming to intervene. You know, we are not used to seeing rebels move at such a speed. Do you think that this is an indictment on the corruption of the Congolese army to their inherent weaknesses? In fact, just the other day, I heard that they had employed uh, mercenaries to fight uh, M23. You're right, Sunny. Mm. But the key thing for me here is the fact that these are rebels fighting with a cause, mm. fighting against a dysfunctional, poorly trained, poorly organized, demoralized army. That's what I see mm. when looking at the Congolese army. Yes. Far they say. So what do you expect in such situations? So I guess there's a cause. They, they obviously yeah. have a cause that, mm. they, that they feel very strongly about. Can you just give us a short breakdown of what that cause is? In a nutshell, mm. who are the M23? Yes. Something that Kinshasa denies. 
these are Congolese nationals, mm. former Congolese military men. Mm. The rebels are Congolese nationals who are denied their right to citizenship, mm. whose communities are persecuted. The so-called Rwandophones, mm. Congolese Tutsi, majority of them. Mm. I don't think they are entirely all Tutsi people. But you see, these are Congolese Tutsi, Rwandophones, who are not supposed to be citizens, who are told to go back to wherever they came from. That's yeah. the rhetoric that we get from Kinshasa. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, these uh, highly motivated troops start taking over territory. What is the regional response as a result? The region is concerned. No one wants to see fighting. No one wants war. Again, let's not forget the re very recent history. The DRC has just joined the East African community. The integration picture that we cannot lose as we discuss Congo and the current conflict. People want integration for all the benefits of integration. And all of a sudden, poof, war starts. And so, obviously, the region comes together. They meet in Luanda, that famous Luanda meeting which happened in November last year. And there are a few things that they ask both forces to do, which included a ceasefire, uh, withdrawals, and they also called for East African troops to actually be a part of some kind of peacekeeping force. Yes. So then what happens? Before we even head to Rwanda, there is a closer-to-home peace effort. There is the Nairobi effort. Mm. It's like the peace initiative, the intervention start from closer-to-home in Nairobi. The East African leaders, uh, the time, uh, everything facilitated and, uh, you know, headed by former Kenyan President Uhuru. Everything is being done to ensure that we have peace because we all, I mean, the region has much to gain from peace than war. But obviously there's now war. And so as a, re as a result, the region uh, calls for peacekeepers. Today there are 900 Kenyan troops on the ground in parts of the DRC? Have yeah. they even started doing a little bit of their job? They are trying to do their job. And what is their job? Their job is to stand in between the warring parties. So almost on, create on, a buffer zone. Yes, mm. a buffer zone because in the past two or so months, because of the Rwanda agreement and the peace effort, armed groups in the country are supposed to disarm. Mm -hmm. And specifically for the M23, they're supposed to withdraw from the captured territories. Yes. And guess what? They withdraw and the East African Union Force takes over. Which is what they did zone. in some places like Rumangabo and Kibumba, if I'm not mistaken. They had already done that. They had yes. handed them yes. over yes. to East African forces. Yeah. And before we move on, I think I, it's good that we remind people that among the, the directives from Luanda were that FDLR, the former uh, genocidal forces, uh, that committed genocide in Rwanda, were also supposed to be sent back home. We were supposed to be disarmed and sent back to Rwanda. So I think we shouldn't forget that as we talk about M23. Just like we can't forget the fact that Eastern Congo is awash with uh, over 130 armed groups. Mm. Some local Congolese groups, others foreign. Yes. The FDR, yes. Rwandan genocidal forces. A group responsible found by people responsible for the genocide in Rwanda nearly 30 years ago. Yes. The ADF of Uganda. Mm -hmm. Some other rebel group from Burundi. 
So all in all, it's a mess. It's a huge mess, a complex uh, mess. And so, again, we now see the East African community trying to make a sense of it all. Mm -hmm. And they meet in Bujumbura. And two days after, on Monday, just last Monday, we see riots in Goma. We see protesters calling for Kenyan troops to be expelled from the region. And of course, this probably followed weeks and weeks of Congolese conspiracies, talks of balkanization. You had different ethnocentric ideologies flying around, especially on Congolese, both Congolese TV. We heard lies from uh, the Congolese uh, social media. You had lies from the Congolese government. The spokesperson is saying all sorts of crazy things. So we kind of see that things are coming to a head almost. Um, What sounds very difficult for me is when we see all these things happening and we see the presidents saying, you know, we should have Ugandan troops and South Sudanese troops, and there's all this mess. I'll give you an example. And I think this is one of the biggest problems, right? Mm-hmm. So we have stories of people think, looking at Kenyan troops and saying that these Kenyan troops are biased towards M23 because, among other things, they're all very Tutsi-like. They have... Tutsi features, you know, there's a certain ethnic brotherhood. Those are the kind of conversations that we're now seeing in Congolese spaces. We're seeing it being played in the Congolese parliament. That, sorry, that kind of conversation has so much to do with a genocide ideology yes. taken to Eastern Congo mm. by the FDLR. Yes. So now you think about it's been decades of of this kind of conspiracy theory and genocide ideology. I want us to look at these troops who are actually supposed to come in. Mm-hmm. And I will give an example of the UPDF. Yeah. We have rondophones in the Ugandan army. <laughs> right? Yeah, we Co- do. How do you see this being played out? If you have Burundian troops, you have members of the UPDF, the Ugandan army, who might be perceived, rightly or wrongly, for being Rondophone. In that kind of environment, what do you think will happen? How will this play out in your educated opinion? <laughs> it's, it's, it's tricky, to be honest. Tricky, tough, complex again. But let me just give you a very short story quickly. Sometime mid uh, last year, I got the chance to interview a Senegalese retired officer, Brigadier General Babakafai. He was in Rwanda during the 1994 genocide. He had come to Rwanda as an observer as part of the African Union mission at the time. And one day or one time when he was doing his job, doing his work in rural Rwanda, somewhere in uh, Jisenyi, they were patrolling around with his colleagues. They are Senegalese, remember? They are not Ugandan. They are not Burundians. Mm. They are not like soldiers from... They are not from, even from this region. Yeah. But guess what? Mm. The genocidals at the time... The ex-far. Even the local community, people from the inner Hamne fold, they were looking at them and, you know, providing them because they had this Tutsi-like morphology, if you want. Mm. Yeah, they told them you are not wanted here. So, so guess what now? You're talking about <laughs> our neighbors yes, from yes. Uganda. It mm. would be 
you know your, will be a mess. your guess is as good as mine no to personally, be a mess. personally i think that not only shall we see more ethnic profiling i can almost imagine that they might end up being targeted by the local community by FARDC it has happened the, before yeah. i mean it has already happened mm. what you're talking about on monday what we saw on monday yes the kenyan forces are being pelted with stones and told to go back home because they are not helping fight m23 and we had earlier before that being taunted for being you know yeah that, I mean, that's, like. a, that's a real problem yeah that's a real problem before we continue this very interesting conversation are you looking for a job or is there a tender you want to bid for on the new times job mart you will find hundreds of jobs and tender listings visit the job mart today by going to its website jobs.newtimes.co.rw if you want to post a job opportunity call 07-85-28-9489 and ask about the great rates and now back to the show so james let's pretend that these troops actually do get deployed do you think that the political class of the drc will allow them to successfully carry out their mandate if so how exactly do you see things being played out in the next few months the answer is no and we have already seen um, so the answer is no you don't think that the troops will be deployed they would be deployed okay but the political class in kinshasa hmm. people who followed the east african community summit on hmm. february 4th we already know what transpired immediately after the summit ended we've all seen the video of president shisekedi confronting the ecraf or the regional forces regional force commander mm. and 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 he was saying very aggressively saying you need to do something you need to attack these m23 you came here to do a job the job being fight m23 mm. but and guess what the kenyan yeah. forces their primary mission if you want is not to attack m23 but it's, it's to be a facilitator of peace in the Congo. Yes. And so looking at how the president reacted, looking at how, as the president uh, revealed uh, a few days ago, that as soon as they got to Kinshasa, they had twisted what was actually directed in the communique from the East African uh, uh, heads of government meeting. Yes, and remember your question was all about the motive or motive mm. of the political class in Kinshasa. Yes. Yeah. So, like you said, so how will things play out? Are we going to probably see uh, M23 keep advancing? Are we going to see them backing off? When you look into your looking glass, what do you think will happen? That's a tough one, Sunny. Um, we need to, again, consider, think about the context of all this. It's an election year in Congo. Mm. In December, mm. there will be an election. And allegedly. Allegedly, or supposedly. Because we're also thinking that Shiseke does not want this election to happen. Mm. So he's pumping up all this chaos. And why would he want war? Because... If you look at how Actually, things are playing out... Actually, why would out, he want peace? That's why, not why would he want war, because when I think about this, right? Yes. If there is peace, mm. there might be elections. Remember that he's extremely, highly unpopular. 
right? So very unpopular. So that's the confidence. Sense, yes, it makes sense that there should be war so that he can continue a state of war. Mm -hmm. So then he doesn't have to hold the elections in December. Yes, is that something that you think is that's a possibility? It. You nailed it. So that means, it. and don't forget this. Yes, uh, a few years ago, the elections that got him into power. Yes. <laughs> or a result it's of an this open very secret. Same, it's a very same mess. It's 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 an election he didn't win. Amazing. Um, thank you so much, James, for joining me today. Great conversation. I'm sure as things heat up in the Eastern Congo, I hope to be able to invite you to be a part of this again. Thank you, Sunny. It'll be a pleasure coming back to the show. All right, awesome. Before I sign off, here are two of the biggest stories in the New Times this week. On Wednesday, the Ministry of Finance announced that the revised government budget would be 4.7 trillion francs or over 4.3 billion US dollars this year. While revealing the revised budget, the Minister of Finance also informed Parliament that Rwanda's economy was projected to grow faster next year, from 6.7% today to 7% in 2024. The Rwanda Space Agency announced on Monday that it had issued a license to Starlink to start operating in the country. Starlink is expected to start offering its services in March this year. Access to Starlink is reportedly expected to cost 45,000 francs a month, while the startup kit might go for as low as $99. Before we leave, would you like to partner with the long form? Send an email to sales at newtimesronda.com and ask for our rates. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to The Long Form with Sunny Nyombia on your favorite podcast service. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Music, as well as the New Times website. Until next week, goodbye. <music>